Okay, hi guys, I'm Leah. Um, y'all are going to have to excuse my nose and my voice. I'm really sick right now, so I'm really sorry for the way I sound. But um, I'm here to talk to y'all about a truth that I've had to learn the past two years of my high school. Um, and it's been learning that God is always working. And he's not ever not working, and he's working in hard times, whether you see it or not. And he's working in bigger ways than you'd probably imagine. And um, when I knew that I was going to be talking, I realized that I was going to have to step up to the plate and kind of be a leader at Norcross, or um, at Gold Rush 2. And it kind of took me back, and it made me realize that I need to get down on my knees before I talk. And right now, I am fully dependent on God for health and strength to be standing up here and talking to y'all. So um, before we start going into some stories about me, um, let's start in a word of prayer. So if y'all join me. Dear God, um, thank you so much for letting me be here right now and just giving me the opportunity to share with these guys um, stories that you've given me. God, I pray that you would talk through me and that um, you would just impact these guys' lives and turn in their hearts. Lord, I pray that if I say anything, that um, it would be forgotten. God, they would not be of me, but of you. Lord, I pray you calm my nerves and just give me um, a supernatural peace that only you can provide. Lord, um, we thank you so much for Gold Rush and all the opportunities and the moments that it gives us. Um, I thank you so much. Amen. Okay, so a little bit about me, so I'm not just some stranger up here talking to y'all. Um, my name's Leah, as I said, and there's a picture of my family. Um, we're, uh, there we are, family of four on top of Mount Yona. They're actually in the back. Um, they are my role models. I love them very much. Uh, my s- older sister, Rachel, was a leader in Gold Rush many years. You might know her. Um, she's really cool, definitely my role model. And then we have, well, we, we had two dogs. Um, one actually just passed away. But this is Ivory. And um, she did just pass away, so RIP. <laughs> but um, then we have a dog, Henry, who's an English pointer, and he's so cute. He cuddles up on the beds and the couches when he really shouldn't. But um, he points at things like squirrels. He's really cute. Um, but the funny thing is, I'm super allergic to dogs. I'm actually super allergic to just about everything. And um, I carry a tissue box around school with me. I feel like the guy from Ned's Classified who always has that little squirt gun thing up his nose. Um, And it explains why I'm always sneezing, that I have tissues right here with me right now. And um, another thing about me is I love Instagram. (laughs) I am that white girl on Instagram who is so excited to go outside and take a cool picture and come up with clever captions and (laughs) cool locations. So my username is up there. If you do want to follow me, it's cool. But um, I'm really just kidding. It's probably not. (laughs) But um, I love Instagram. I love being outside. I'm a very outdoorsy girl. And I think that's how I really connect with God, is being outside and being in the woods and knowing that no two leaves are exactly alike. And to me, that is incredible. That shows God's creativity, like Emily talked about on the first night. That shows his detail. And that just comforts me to know that if God puts so much work into a bug that I see on the ground, oh, how he must care about us. And so that's really how I see God working. But um, I think I kind of take things for granted. Like, I'll drop my phone, and it won't be cracked. I'm like, oh my gosh, God's working, you know? Um, 
But I think we really fail to realize that he is working in huge ways around us all the time. And it brought me to this verse this past few years when I really started to doubt that truth, when I really started to question if God was working. And for, y- for y'all, do y'all really think that God is always working? Is he working for you? Is he working against you? Um, so it brought me to Isaiah 55, 11. It says, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. And there's a different translation, which I like a little bit better. It says, it is the same with my word. I send it out and it will always produce fruit. It will always accomplish all I want it to, and it will prosper everywhere I sent it. So this gives me comfort because I know that if I get truth or if I tell people truth, that it will fulfill its purpose. God will produce fruit. You will plant seeds as a Christian. And you may not see the fruit in your lifetime. You may not see that, but you can know that you did plant a seed. And that, to me, is comforting. So one story that I would like to share with y'all this um, past year, actually, that I had to apply this truth was when a boy named Spencer asked me to homecoming. And he is so nice, he's so sweet, um, but he did not have the best reputation at our school. Actually, a very bad story about him was going around our school, it got to, <coughs> excuse me, the administration, and he got seven days of OSS, and he texted me later, and he said, I'm so sorry, like, I'm so sorry that you're being associated with me, And you do not have to go to homecoming with me, but if you want to, I would still love to go with you. And so I was like, oh my gosh, I have this huge choice in front of me. And then later, I got some calls from some parents saying that my reputation as a Christian at Norcross High School would be in jeopardy if I were to go to homecoming with this boy. I was like, oh my gosh, this is homecoming. Like, it's not that big of a deal. But then I saw a bunch of students tweeting and yik-yakking that I would be a slut or a whore to go to homecoming with this boy. And so I was like, wow, okay, people really are looking at my reputation as a Christian here, and they really are um, watching my moves. And so I sat there, and I prayed, and I cried. Um, I put a lot of thought into it. And I decided that here I had a choice. I had a choice to go to homecoming with him and share this love with Spencer that he's probably never really been shown before because someone would choose him even under persecution. And I would be looked down upon. I would get some ridicule. And um, I had choice, another choice. I had choice two. I could not go with him. And I would kind of, you know, walk away, you know, being the better person. And Spencer would be unworthy of going with me, which doesn't make any sense because I'm no better than him. So I had this choice, and then God gave me this idea that, hey, Leah, like, this is what I did for you. You made mistakes, and I didn't turn you down. So for me, I got to look at Spencer and say, you know, you made mistakes, but I'm not going to turn you down because that was not the case with me. God did not turn me down. So I texted Spencer back, and I said, I'm so excited to go with you. I am honored that you asked me. And then I got to see God work. Because I shared that truth with him, that even though you make mistakes, I'm still going to love on you. He texted me back and he said, you are so different. He's like, I've never really met anyone like you to go with me even under persecution. And even though it kind of makes you look bad. 
And so there I got to see Spencer get a taste of God's love that I've been tasting all my life, and I felt so selfish for keeping it up this whole time. And now I got to share it with him. And it was really cool. Later that afternoon, he actually went to dinner with my dad, and they had this, like, three-hour-long conversation of just about life. And it was so cool to see how Spencer got to see the taste. And, sorry, Spencer got to see God's love and get a real taste of it. So that was my first story of how God is working and how I chose this opportunity that he put in front of me and I took it and I took full advantage of it. And so God, in that moment, he worked and it was so cool to watch. Um, But my second story is not so encouraging. It's kind of hard. I'm still not seeing the fruit from it. But I know that God is working. And it's a story about my friend and we'll call her Claire. So my friend Claire was my absolute best friend. I loved her to death. She is so close to my heart. Um, She's so sweet. We went on trips together. Um, Every concert we'd go to together, she was my absolute best friend. And she actually came to Gold Rush last year, and it was a really cool experience. But instead of um, her walking away happy from it, it actually identified a lot of problems for her. It brought up a bunch of struggles that she's been bearing for many years. And instead of running towards God, she ran straight away from God. And when she did run away from God, she ran away from me and my friend group as well. She shunned us out. She was cold, and she was really mean, and she was rude. And it hurt my heart, but I had to look at this moment and say that God is working. God, I know you're working. You are good. And so... um, Me and my friends, we just longed for her. We craved for her friendship. I don't think I've ever longed for something so bad. I just wanted her to, you know, ride around the car with me and go do things with me. But she wouldn't respond to my text or she'd turn me down immediately. So we started, uh, her birthday came around. And I was like, okay, I'm going to get my friend group. And we're going to surprise her with this, like, you know, little act of love. We're going to fill up all, we're going to fill up her car with all these balloons And I'll get all of us to write letters to her and put them in a little box on her car. And that way she'll open it and have all these birthday cards. So we blow up 100 balloons by mouth. (laughs) And that was so, I think I was dizzy for the next day. Um, And we fill up her car. We go in there, you know, like Mission Impossible, fill up her trunk, underline her car, put it um, all over the place. And we run away before she notices. So that whole day... I sat next to my phone, waiting for a text from her, and I do get a text, and it says, how am I supposed to drive? <laughs> it's just like, okay, <laughs> I'm sorry. And in that moment, it was just like my heart broke again, and it was just hard to watch her constantly reject us. So one night on the phone with my friend talking about the situation, I said, it's kind of like a cabin. We're in this cabin in the middle of a blizzard, and our friend is out in the blizzard. And so we've been out there with our gear and our food, and we've been going and searching for her, but it's cold, and we're losing our gear. We're running out of food. We're getting frostbitten, and we need to go back to the cabin. We've been rejected, and we're getting exhausted from going out and searching for Claire. We need to go back to the cabin. But we're not going to go back to the cabin and close the door and turn off the lights. No, we're going to keep the light on and the door open. And that's something that I really had to learn how to do, how to not to push her away, but how to just wait and be patient. 
And in those moments, I had to wait and be constant in prayer and learn to accept that God was working, even if I didn't see him. One night, she took it too far. She drank too much. She did too many drugs, and she had cut herself too deep, and she was sent off to rehab. And um, we kind of learned the news from her mom that at the age of 16, she's harmed her body so much that um, she can no longer have a baby. She can't bear a child anymore because of the damage that she's done to her body. She stopped cutting her arms because she ran out of room and she started stapling all the way up of her arm. Hearing this news, I broke down. My heart broke, and it still does every time that I think about it. I fell to my knees, and I cried, and I had to say, you know, God, you are working. I know that you're working, and I don't see it, but I know that you are because you promised. And so um, after a while, she just, you know, became more and more distant. We kind of stopped thinking about her, stopped trying to invite her to stuff, and I had this dream one night that she came banging on my door, and she's just crying for help. So we put her in the master bedroom, and we, we cooked the best food that we could for her. You know, our family just gave her our best. And the next day, I woke up, and I was like, you know, I haven't thought about Claire in a while. And I really need to start praying for her. And later that day, I got a text from Claire. First of all, I got a text from Claire, which is a hallelujah. And it said... I'm sorry. I'm so sorry for the way that I've treated you. And I know I can't take it back, but I want to rekindle this friendship. And so there I am again, on my knees crying, but in joy. And I realized, you know, when my heart was breaking, that must be how God's heart breaks for us when we don't turn to him. When my heart was hurting, that must be a taste of how God feels for us when we don't turn to him. When my heart was jumping for joy coming out of my chest because she texted me back and she wanted my friendship, that must be a taste of how God feels for us when we turn to him, when we call to him, when we repent. So in that moment, it was just, it was so cool. My wandering sister was calling my name again. My long lost friend was turning towards me. And that night I got to taste of what I like to call celestial ecstasy, a taste of heaven. Um, if you really, this is kind of my challenge to y'all. If you really love your friends, you should have that longing for them, your non-Christian friends. If, if they don't know and they don't have salvation, you should have that craving for them to come to know the Lord, to have that pure and righteous kind of healing that only God can provide. You wouldn't dare miss eternity. So don't you dare let your friends miss out on a chance of it. And when I realized that, that fact, it just really resonated in me. And I'd like to say it again. You wouldn't dare miss eternity. Don't you dare let your friends miss out on a chance of it. And that really hit home for me. But I realized that I can't take all of this weight on me. It's not my, all of my responsibility. He does call us to make disciples, but we're just tools for him to use. And he has to pick us up in order to use us. So don't be discouraged if you don't feel like you're not working and you're not affecting people because it's really up to God to use you. Um, for Christians, I really feel like 
in our generation, we've missed out on the second half of Christianity. If we don't have that passion, if we don't have that calling to go out and love on other people like we've been loved on, we are missing on the second half of it, guys. I feel like as Christians in church, like at Gold Rush, I can sit here and just enjoy the great music. I can sit here and enjoy the truth that I've been given and, you know, rely on God when times get hard. But I miss out on giving that to other people if I don't go out and give it to them. So don't miss out on the second half. Don't miss out on the passion and um, just the mission that you've been given. And know that we're all capable of being in Claire's position. You are all capable. I am so capable of being rock bottom. But know that God is so capable of delivering you from it. Your pain is real, and he's so capable of getting you out of it. And it's just his timing. Have you ever found your situation or yourself in the situation as Claire? Lost and desperately searching for someone who is longing for you, for someone who wants you? Well, I can tell you right now, that there are friends out there who long for you. There are family out there that long for you. And even if you don't feel like you have that, you have a God of a universe out there who longs for you, literally died for you. And that to me is so comforting. That is the gospel. That is the good news. If you're someone like me, I just encourage you to be constant in prayer. Do not give up. Do not be in the cabin with the door shut and the light off. Don't keep it all to yourself. Keep the light on. Keep that door open. God is always working in hard times. And I really feel like my last story says that all. Um, My last story is about a girl named Kylie. And I don't know if y'all know it because y'all are from different um, churches, but she was a dear family friend of ours, and she passed away from cancer at the age of 12. And in that, her story, we learned that God is working in hard times. Um, The night that she passed away, I decided to, like anyone would, write a poem about it, as cheesy as that sounds. Because you know what else to do when you're going through hard times, but write a poem. (laughs) Um, But a little bit more about Kylie. She was 12 years old. She was three days away from being told that she would be cancer-free when they found another tumor. And it went downhill very fast from there. Her courageous father wrote about how she was preparing to dance, not for an earthly audience, but for a glorified crowd. And that line really resonated with me and really stuck out to me. So I based this poem off of her, and I wrote it the night that she passed away. So I'm going to share it with you guys. Read twice, then read once more, to let it sink in to open that door. His everlasting promises cannot be repealed. We can be sure to reap from our fields. In confusion and pain, we flock to our shelter. As the storm knocks on our door, we fear it should enter. Do we not know in which of where we stand? Our bodies, our worlds, they lay in his hands. To fear or not to fear? That is the question. Or to lay in his arms and to not be reckoned? Two choices emerge in my bed as I toss and I turn, trying to make up my head. He promised. He promised us good. He promised us things that are not understood. I question his actions again and again, forgetting to realize that he's first, and I lose my sight on him in a second. (coughs) Why do bad bad things invade and choke us out? 
Why are we sick, sad, and continuously doubt? We so often fail to realize what our life mission is all about. Instead, we carry around half-empty glasses of angry shouts. We fail to realize that he has saved us from our rightful pain, our bondage, and cut our fair chain. He came down so we can even have a chance to go up when this life ends. Surely our God knows what we have suffered and pulls us from the lion's den. So whom then shall I fear? The nights of ongoing tears? No, I shall not even fear death itself, for I am promised to be dancing in the streets of gold in perfect health. This, this is the gift that our almighty, confusing, and wondrous God has set before our feet. Do not let it sit and stay as if to go to a banquet and not to eat. Instead, open the gift, pursue it, and investigate everything that it holds so that one day you may rest by still waters when your body's gone cold. Oh, how righteous. Oh, how wonderful it is to sing his precious name and to know that of me, of you, he thinks the very same. For we are not like the others who doubt. No, we, brothers and sisters, we dance before a glorified crowd. I'll pray us out. Dear God, thank you so much for calming my nerves. Lord, thank you for giving me this opportunity again. Thank you for pulling us from the lion's den again and again. God, um, we thank you for the truth that you are always working. You are never not working, God. Um, You are the handyman. You are the one always coming in to fix us, Lord. Let us not be surprised when you do work because we need to be expectant, Lord. Let us praise you um, in our time of need. We love you so much. We thank you for everything. Amen.